You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, culture consultant and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations and employees about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Make It Thrive. So far in this season, we've covered a number of topics to help inspire your company culture. So I truly hope that these conversations are helping you to think differently about how you can improve your company culture. As always, this podcast can't exist without listeners. Um, So if you know of anyone who could benefit from these conversations, don't forget to recommend the podcast and drop us a little review. I would super appreciate it. Now on to this week. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Will Stokes, co-founder of CoSpace, a co-working network that spans across the UK with offices to support business development. So whether you're a startup or a small business, these co-working spaces can really help to make you thrive in those early days. Now, I've had the pleasure of visiting some of the co-spaces, and I really wanted to pick Will's brains about what larger organisations can learn about their environment from these super creative co-working spaces that are now dominating our towns and cities. I'm sure many of you have probably visited a co-working space or you're working in one. And I always feel like they're very collaborative and creative spaces that really do help to nurture our best work. So let's get started and talk to Will about what we can learn about co-working spaces and how we can maybe adopt some of these practices into our own organisations. Hi, Will. Um, make, welcome to Make It Thrive. Give us an introduction to yourself and the work that you do. Sure. So um, for those who don't know, um, William Stokes. Uh, have a background in property development and then adapted that slightly over the last kind of two and a bit years into a serviced office model, which focuses on creating, you know, really cool serviced office space, but also co-working space for freelancers, SMEs, those kind of businesses. Fantastic. I mean, the whole sort of co-working concept has massively grown sort of over the past, I'd probably say about five years. It's something that um, still seems relatively new to people, but actually it's it's been kind of growing and building up, I think, especially as more people now are working for themselves or thinking, actually, I want to start my own business. Um, and they're just such flexible opportunities to have that separate space away from home where you can actually work on your business yeah absolutely it's um we we tend to focus on a more regional model which i guess we'll get into later but if you go to london i mean co-working's been a thing for you know five maybe in some areas you know 10 years where they've really been pushing the boundary of what they're doing in terms of co-working but if you go to more regional locations you start to to realize that co-working hasn't really taken off there yet and actually you've got to warm the market up to it and once they kind of see it they're like, oh, wow, great. Oh, there's this whole new concept. But, you know, in your major cities, your London, your New York's, whatever, it's, it's, it's been happening for a long time now. Absolutely. And I suppose it's trying to get that reach now to those other regionalised areas that aren't massive cities. Because I think a lot of the time people think that because they don't have that city postcode, um, you know, there's not that allure of um, business. Because I know a lot of people try to have kind of their satellite offices in some of the big cities so that they can look perhaps bigger than they are slightly. But I think it, it helps. It, I think as we're going a lot more global, 
I think it can really help even, you know, the local economy when you've got, you know, co-working spaces, you can help to build up people who want to start a business locally. Yeah, it's that as well. But the other thing as well that people um, often forget is the talent pool. In a typical business model, if you take, you know, some typical, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but if you took a business model, you tend to hire within maybe a 50 mile radius and that tends to be your talent pool. Whereas what co-working unlocks is you can have an amazing team based in, say, Leeds. You could have an amazing team based in London. You could have an amazing team in Manchester. And because of the way they can dip in and out of flexible workspaces, they can go to different locations, it allows you to widen your talent pool and, and the people that you're hiring for the business because you no longer need 50 people in one office in one location. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there are a lot of um, brands now with um, co-working spaces. So I know WeWork's obviously the, the biggest one that's come over from America. Um, but yeah. what have you guys done differently at CoSpace that sets you apart from other co-working spaces? Yeah, sure. So WeWork's a great example. Um, there's, a, there's a really good business in, I, w- I won't mention them if you don't want me to, there's a really good co-working business in London. They're basically in London. They're in other locations as well, but major city locations. And they've done it really well. So what, what me and Ali did was we, we went around and we kind of assessed where the co-working market was and where we wanted to take it and what we wanted to do. And we went around, you know, multiple co-working spaces trying to figure out what was working, what wasn't working. And we'd had this idea of a particular market model. So, you know, your WeWork's a prime example because they go super tech, super millennial. You walk in, there's kind of that beanbag culture. And we said from day one, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to be a professional market-led serviced operator. So if you go to more regional locations, you've got your typical Regis's, which are probably, if you were to put Regis on the scale and then we work on the scale, where we're trying to put co-space is bang in the middle. So we're super design-led in the same sense of we work, but not as high-end, but we're, we're above kind of that Regis model, which is what has been rolled out. And th- there's a market for that, but the market is moving and people are wanting that WeWork-esque kind of vibe, but they don't want to pay WeWork prices. So we're trying to be mm. that middle tier. Um, we're trying to pick up on professional markets such as, you know, accountants, lawyers, solicitors, architects, these kind of not seen as necessarily creative and tech industries that still need space and currently aren't being catered for. Absolutely. That's a brilliant way of looking at the market, especially when you know it's so competitive as well, or it's, or it's certainly growing. You, you've got that. You've really identified your area, I suppose, in the market. Yeah, we, we, we tried to look at what we think could work and how we could deliver it and make it economically favourable for not only our members, but also for us as a business, because your business has to grow as well. Um, and we tried to find that, that middle ground where we can create something really meaningful and really impactful that doesn't cost a fortune to you know whoever's taking the space. And our, our, Absolutely. our model tends to be, or our market tends to be, you know, it will be somebody that started on the kitchen table three, four years ago and has now grown to, you know, 10, 15 people that need space that's flexible. So our model is, you know, if you come in and need a 16 person office, but suddenly within three months you need a 20 person office, we can scale you up in the same sense. And what nobody else is doing and is we want to work with people as they need to scale down as well. So if somebody comes to us and takes a 16-person office on, say, a three-year lease, and suddenly a year in they go, oh, well, we only need 12 people, we can work with them and we can scale it down as well. Um, I think that's quite key because they're in that middle kind of tier. That Once they get to 40, 50 people, it makes sense for them to go and acquire their own site and do that whole piece. But in between, there's nothing that really caters for them. And what you tend to find is people either have an office that's too big or they have an office that's too small because they're, they're fairly locked in. Yes, absolutely. No, I've definitely seen that myself. I mean, I've, I've 
experienced quite a lot of different co-working spaces because I kind of work up and down the UK um, and I've been into co-working spaces um, to sort of uh, train startups um, but then I've also yep. dropped in now and again to hot desk at certain places when I'm in London for example um, so I've really experienced a, a quite a diverse range and I think there's a lot organizations can learn from especially the design and concepts of these co-working spaces they're all so unique I mean why do you think so many organizations still see working spaces as so rigid and formal whereas these co-working spaces seem a lot more flexible adaptable and almost like lifestyle I suppose yeah, I, th- I think what tends to happen is if if you take a business such as an accountancy or something like that, that is, a, a, it's seen as a kind of stuffy industry. I think that's the, the best way to kind of describe it. And people are so busy trying to deliver the service and the job that these things often get put on the back burner. And, you know, you might go, oh, well, we'll refurb the office in a year's time. And then a year comes and you've got so many projects on, things don't happen. What we're starting to see is that businesses are now starting to struggle with getting young talent and they're having to dip into an older talent pool because the younger talent is going to go to the, the businesses that are more forward thinking in the terms of, you know, they've got office design designed down to a T. They've got, you know, co-working space access, whatever. So what we're starting to see is businesses actually now are waking up and going, OK, well, if we want to be, you know, hiring from a great talent pool of, of 21 year olds, whatever, coming out of uni, we actually need to be thinking more about how we design our office space and focus around the well-being and the whole culture piece. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with you because a space makes such a big impact. And I mean, I know your spaces, I know we've sat down before when I've met with a coffee for you and we've sort of discussed about how you guys look at your spaces and find your spaces and they're so unique and different. I mean, what inspires your ideas about them and where do you look when you want to kind of get fresh ideas for these spaces? Yeah, sure. So um, the, the first thing I should mention is we have an amazing design team. Um, it's two girls called Nicola. So I, I call them the Nicolas, Nicola and Nicola. And they do <laughs> all of our kind of interior design, front end design. And they're amazing at that entire piece. Me, me and Ali from day one said that we were never designers. I, I'm an operational guy. Um, Ali's a finance guy. So he's, I, I joke that he's like Neo from the Matrix. I swear he just did something. <laughs> um, whereas what the designers do is they, they bring this whole kind of piece together. And actually, when they sit down and pitch us the ideas and things, me and Ali are like, yes, yes, 100%. You know, they go very biophilic, so that it's back to nature. It's quite grounding. Oh, the yeah. colour palette is, you know, it's natural, it's warm. There's this this whole kind of piece. The thing that I, and, and you see some spaces where it go really industrial, and there's nothing wrong with that. But once you go too industrial, it becomes cold. It becomes, mm. you know, it doesn't become that second or third place where you're either at home, work, wherever you are. It doesn't become the place where you want to go almost. Definitely. So we try and think about that. Um one of the other things we really try and think about is we sit down initially with with the designers as well and we look at the floor plan and go, well, how is this place going to flow? How are people going to interact with certain things? Where are people going to congregate? How can we design a space that, you know, you don't just walk to a coffee machine, get coffee and walk off. Maybe there's a bit more to it. So you have your coffee and you go to a cool kind of, you know, plant-like area where you can sit and you can relax for a second. And we, we try and think about how we would use the space, how other people are going to engage and use the space. I love that. I think it's so important because like you say, it's also about that flow. It's not just about um, the colours that you use or, you know, the plants that you use or the, the um, you know, the, the 
walls you sort of decorate or any of that is sometimes it is also down to that flow and sometimes that's that's not as considered as the the color on the walls because actually when you get that flow really well you know you have that you build that collaborative environment you encourage people to actually mingle when perhaps in quite a rigid format you wouldn't get that at all yeah 100 percent. so our whole business model is driven around culture and it's driven around community and what we want to see and what we tend to not see in, in other spaces is, you know, you a lot of people don't often know who's around them. So we try and make it so that people have to engage. They have to kind of see who people are and that kind of thing. Because what tends to happen is you might have a lawyer's firm or, or you know, solicitors that needs an accountant. And they tend to go on Google and find an accountant when actually there's one next door. And what we want to create is this community of skills and this community of, of cross-utilised um can't think of the term but like cross-utilized services that people can tap into um one of the things we want to do rolling forward and we're trying to think of the best way that we can implement this is actually have you know for instance we we will we will have a full-time accountant employed by the business but there's not a full-time role there so is there a model where we can go well look if you're an sme if you're a small business as part of your package you get two hours a month of support from this accountant you don't have to use them for the services but they can advise you and guide you and we want to try and create a, a space that is all-encompassing. Our, our ethos is the answer is always yes, then we figure out how to deliver it. Fantastic. I absolutely love that. I really, really do. Because like you say, it's it's those valued services that, that startups and small businesses really need in those first few years. You need as much support as you can get. You do, 100%. And it, it's it's not something that's that's covered enough. It is It is very tough. And what tends to happen is, you know, people don't necessarily these kind of spaces are great but what tends to happen is the startups that come into them are probably six months to a year old already because they've they've been mm-hmm. working from coffee shops they've worked from the kitchen table um you know in those very early days from the point where you first incorporate or whatever you don't have the budget to go and, and hire a desk you've got to kind of make ends meet until you can get to that point so it's it's at the point that they do engage that we can go well look you've been struggling with this this and this we can deliver all this for you don't worry about that you guys focus on on running the business and delivering the product and we'll take care of everything else in the background. We're not just an office space. We provide all these extra services to help you get to where you need to get to. And I think in doing that, we'll get A, long-term customers in terms of people who want to stay longer and B, it'll be, you know, there's a lot of talk within that startup culture. So when a business leaves, they'll go, oh, well, we went with these guys and they did this, this and this for us. You should have a chat with them. And it builds a bit more of a referral network. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. I mean, picking up on something you mentioned earlier about how you want to kind of utilise people's services within who are within that co-working space. I see it a lot even in um, large organisations, say they're 200 plus, and many of the people in that organisation barely know what the person next to them does, let alone what the person, you know, a few offices down does. And it's crazy yeah, to think that in an organisation, there is so many... Um, you know multifaceted people with different skills and um, different knowledge and um, different experience and yet they're they're not collaborating and yet they're you know one of their biggest things they say is our team aren't being very creative and it's like well there's absolutely no no way you're creating any kind of collaboration environment you're not allowing people actually to even find a space or you haven't even you know nurtured a space to be able to create that collaboration yeah, absolutely. One of the ways we, we kind of look to combat that is through events. Um, we find that to be 
be quite good in terms of whether we do a pizza night or you know a, a beer night or whatever we do something so that people have to engage and then people chat and they loosen up and they start to chat about oh I'm working on this and and this and you get those conversations what we don't want to do is just be an office provider where you come in clock in and then you clock out afterwards we want it to be a space that, that delivers more and gives more absolutely I mean I know you guys obviously work really closely with your interior design experts to create these spaces and I mean how how important is it, it when you know getting people to use these spaces in creating this environment and atmosphere for your co-spaces yeah absolutely key um we, we always said from day one we wanted it to be you know we wanted it to be a point where you walk in and immediately you're sold immediately you walk in and you think wow and that's the way you know certain things are designed you can go I mean you, you should really come down to the reading site so for instance you walk in and we spent money on things like the lobbies things like the toilets because these are all things that I think often get missed and if you start to really put the input into these people are already kind of sold on them in terms of working with the designers we sit down and we try and make it we try and make it flow as, as I mentioned before as much as we can but we also try and make it as functional as possible so that certain things work so if you need something you're not walking all the way down a corridor to get it and if you do walk down there is it well lit is there you know how does it how does it flow how does it feel there's all these different things it, it we tend to buy on emotion and then rationalize it with mm. logic and I, I've stole that quote from a good friend of mine Ash um <laughs> but you know he, he they create videos and they they specialize in that and and it's it's very much emotional driven and then logic after logic comes second so we try and make an emotional connection first yeah i i i completely agree with that though as well there's actually a, a winston churchill quote i love that i often think of when i'm talking to companies about creating their work working space and it says we shape our buildings therefore they shape us and i really think we are hugely influenced by the environments that we create yeah absolutely absolutely it's it's incredible how much a a building or a particular place can make you feel it's the reason why you see so many people working on laptops in starbucks despite the fact that it's noisy and not efficient there's just something about and i often work in in starbucks in late late in the evening i'll go at seven o'clock till probably half eight and i'll just sit there and there's just the stuff going on around me, the smell of coffee, there's this whole kind of atmosphere and it's it's great. I absolutely love it. And I think people connect with that. No, I completely agree. I mean, I've got I've got my my own little home office that I've made completely mine. Um, but I do hot desk in the occasional place and go to the occasional coffee shop. And I have got yep. particular places that I really love. Um, it, whether it's just for the people watching or for the you know the environment, but it does make a really big impact on how I feel and the type of work I'm doing. Absolutely, and it's all about the. Um, it, I don't know if you're the same. For me, it's all about the day. Like if it's a gloomy day out and it's cold. Yeah. I love nothing more than wrapping up and finding, like there's a local coffee shop in Lincoln um, where you can sit right on the top. It's really warm. It's really um, dimly lit. And it's just perfect if you need like two hours of just focus time. And, and you know that no one will interrupt you. You can just get two hours done. And, you know, vice versa, I'll find somewhere that's got maybe a log burner and I'll, I'll, I'll plunk myself down on a comfy armchair with my laptop on my knee and do things like that. So we're always trying to incorporate these different things into the space as well, which is, you know, how can we go from, because typically you walk into a serviced office space or a co-working space and it's very, it's very well lit. You know, the light levels are very high. It's very much open and very much buzzing. But how can we adapt that in the evening that actually it, it becomes more dimly lit and becomes more of a, I, I don't want to say a vibe, but it becomes a vibe. It becomes a space where you like look around and you're like, wow, 
this is incredible. Definitely. No, I completely agree. I think learning what people like to work within is really important when creating these spaces. Because like you say, we, we all like to work in different spaces depending on our mood, depending on the kind of work we want to do. Because um, I'm, I'm exactly like you, you know, um, when it's the winter months and, um, you know, I've got to sit and write, I don't know, a blog for my website or something. I think, oh, actually, I might go to the coffee shop and, and sit in there because, it, again, it's really beautiful in there and, you know, I can sit there with a nice coffee and maybe a bit of cake and I can really kind of get into it. Um, and it kind of just, it also lifts my day as well when it's a bit grey outside because the coffee shop is quite cosy and it just lifts me up a bit. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, moving on to obviously um, sort of company culture and incorporating some of these important environmental elements. I mean, there's never more a more important you know, time for culture than in those early startup days. Um, yet, you know, these businesses have very little budget to spend on culture. I mean, have you got any recommendations to startups coming into a co-working space and how they can build a culture while they're there? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it, you know, for me, I think it's it's fully engaging and immersing in everything that's available. That there is an awful lot that is available. Um, you know, there's people around you, there's there's businesses. We almost see it as this kind of progressive form. So you go from working a co-working space to a, you know, four to six person office, then to a 10 person office. The idea is that most of those businesses in that space have been in your position. There's there's no tough problem that anybody's going through that somebody else hasn't really been through before so it's leveraging the people that are in that space and and going well we're kind of at this you know brick wall at the minute this is what's happening in our business and there's so many people there that can support you and guide you because they've everybody's been through that everybody's been at that stage where they've been on the kitchen table and then they've they've grown the business and often what happens is it starts to get traction you know you kind of up against a brick wall up against a brick wall suddenly break through and you get massive traction and you've got to kind of deal with everything else in the background. Um, we have a business that was in our space in Lincoln that was very much the same. They, they went through an accelerator program. They grew very quick, very fast. And you almost have to just start dealing with these bits in the background as you're doing it. You don't have time to step, step back and put everything in place that you need. So I think it's it's key that you leverage the people that are in there and also start to look at well, what does your company identity want to be? What do you want to stand for? Because that's the other thing that people, whether it's a product or a service, people buy from a company on the basis of what do they stand for and what do they represent? Absolutely. No. Yeah, I completely agree as well. Because like you say, when you are in that startup phase, um, you know, you need so much help and support and it can feel very isolating when you first start out any kind of business. But actually, it's true, you know, there's a lot of people out there who've been there, done that, they've got some experience there. And one thing I really found, especially when I, I started Liberty Mind, um, you know, well over two years ago now, the one thing I was really overwhelmed by was how much people were willing to help and give advice and share their experience to help me make the right decisions so that I could actually lay out all the, you know, all of the facts on the table and go make the right decision for myself and that was so important and I think especially when you're in a co-working space finding those people who you can value their opinions and value their experience is really important absolutely absolutely and I don't know if you remember how we met but you were delivering a talk at the um, science innovation park at, in Lincoln I was, yeah. yeah. and you were talking <laughs> a lot about you know the culture and things like that and I think it's 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 great to to share that and to you know impart that knowledge and that's what we're trying to do as well Definitely. No, I think it's a fantastic way you've got that kind of collaborative environment going on. I mean, have you got any other tips for people 
you know how people can come together better in spaces because it's something I'm often talking to organizations about and I know it's one thing they often really struggle with because I see a lot of organizations um, investing heavily you know in branding their space up and you know buying all these ergonomic chairs and desks and things Um, but have you got any tips for helping people to come together in these spaces? Um it's quite it's quite a difficult one because you're reliant on the person or whatever to to get involved in things. Um, I, th- I think you know f- for me, I'm always intrigued by what people do, so I'm I'm always kind of the first one to to go up and introduce myself and say, "Oh hi, I'm so and so. This is what I do. What do you do?" That kind of thing. I think it's 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 engaging. Very often, you know, it's it's easy to sit at your laptop and suddenly five hours has gone by or whatever. I think it's actually engaging with other people if they're not going to engage with you first and things like that. Um, I also think as well, as mentioned before, just getting involved with the events that are happening, the different things that are happening in that space, networking with people, things like that. Yeah, no, that's some fantastic advice. And I think the way you're you know, creating these co-spaces is so interesting and unique as well. I think today's talk is hopefully going to really inspire some companies to revamp their spaces and refresh their organisations for the new year. Um, so thank you so much for talking with me today, Will. No worries at all. Thank you for having me. It's, um, it's great. And it's something that I can talk about this whole time. I, my voice tends to be quite monotone, so my excitement doesn't come across as well as <laughs> I'd like it to. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hugely inspired by some of the things we see in the space, some of the you know, really creative things that are being done in, in office space, such as there's one operator in Reading, um, I won't mention who, but they've got a tree growing out of the atrium. You know, wow. there's some incredible things being done with office design. And, and I think we're only really on the cusp of it. And what we're going to see over the next 10 years is, you know, the integration of smart buildings, which is something we're heavily looking at. So, you know, the point where you start to walk towards the door, it's already it already knows who you are, it lets you in. It lights up just to your desk. It, you know, it knows what you're going to engage with. It knows you're going to have a particular coffee at this time because of routine. So it's already there ready. I think we're just we're just on the start of where buildings are going to be. And actually, as smart buildings get integrated and office design adapts more and this model is more taken forward, we're going to really see some creative ideas start to come forward. No, absolutely. I completely agree. I've been looking up at at some of the stuff on the smart office design and it is mind blowing. (laughs) Scary, scary in some instances, because I'm like, really, it's going to know that. (laughs) But then at the same time, it's it's just absolutely um, amazing. And, you know, even in the the past 10 years, how much our, um, you know, working spaces have evolved and how flexible and agile we are now. um, It blows my mind to think of where we're going to be in the next 10 years in the next decade especially you know entering 2020 where are we going to be in 2030 and what are our offices going to be like then absolutely and I mentioned the matrix example earlier referencing Ali but if you think back to that original matrix film I don't know if you've seen them but where there's the whole scene of cubicles and it's an entire office floor you, you yeah. won't see that anymore that 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 model is completely gone near enough now no. and the model that is becoming more collaborative and more creative is starting to take hold and and it's like you say it's incredible where we'll be in 10 years time absolutely well for those of you who've been listening today i will share all of will's information in the show notes so ensure to check out co-spaces their website and give will a little message on twitter if you've listened but thank you so much again will thank you 
You've been listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast with me, your host, Lizzie Benton. If you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to welcoming you back next week.